Good evening. It's good to see everybody tonight. I know uh, I know the decision to cancel services is never an easy one. Um, and it's, if you're like me, it's kind of a bummer when it happens, especially uh, when you've spent, um, you know, a lot of time preparing for worship and um, not just the sermon. Yeah, I spend time preparing a sermon, but, you know, there's other things that go into preparing yourself for worship and prayer and um, <clears throat> and the uh, the snow just kept coming. Um, I appreciate uh, Ben at the table mentioning um, that the blood washes as white as the lamb and not white as the snow because now the snow isn't so white on the sides of the road anymore. It's disgusting. That's the worst part about the snow. It's like the after effects of all the piles on the sides of the road. It's just a dirty, disgusting mess. It looks like New York City all the time. Um, that has nothing, well, it could, I guess it can tie into our lesson tonight, uh, which is walking in the light, um, which means stay away from New York City, even though it's, there's a lot of lights, but um, walking in the light. We're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 1, uh, verses 5 through the end of that chapter, and then the first two verses of chapter 2. Now, in this, this is going to cover a series of several lessons, um, as I like to do when I go through uh, books of the Bible, just kind of break things down. To a more granular, granular, yep, the smaller level, um, and uh, and look at things a little bit close, uh, a little bit closely, and, and pick it apart a little bit. Um, so we're going to start in verse five. Verse five says, "This is the message we have heard from him, and proclaim to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all." So. Um, Verses 5 through 10 of 1 John chapter 1 presents the topics of light, darkness, and an acknowledgement of sin. And the first two verses of chapter 2 reveals the advocate uh, that we have in God, or I'm sorry, the advocate that God gave us um, to resolve our problem of sin. So we're hopefully through these lessons, we're going to see how all of these concepts are addressed um, within the span of just eight verses. Um, and who knows how many lessons this may take to get through all of it. I don't know yet. Haven't haven't finished them all yet. Um, but I want you to notice um, right there in verse 5 that we just read that the apostles were given the inspired message that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Um, so in this section uh, tonight, we're going to take a closer look at the meaning of light and darkness. Um, now, on the surface, that may seem pretty simple. How can you take up, you know, 15, 20 minutes on light and darkness? It's possible. Uh, we may even go longer. Who knows? Um, I saw a meme on Facebook um, that some of my preacher friends were passing around in light of all the f- football that's been going on. It's a referee signaling a penalty that says illegal use of cell phone during the sermon. The sermon will be 15 minutes longer. Um, so let that be a warning. Um, so um, I want you to think about the meaning. Just think about it if you want to write some thoughts down um, about the statement that God is light. What does that truth about God, our Heavenly Father, bring to your mind? The early Gnostics, who we've been talking about, made a grave mistake when they failed to see the distinction between light and darkness. They didn't understand 
that there's no darkness in God whatsoever. He is light, and from Him comes the enlightening news of Jesus, that Jesus is His only begotten Son, and that Jesus is the Savior of the world. The light is found in God. It is also found in Jesus Christ. Um, And this divine illumination is seen through the light of the gospel message of salvation. Jesus calls His disciples, whom we are a part of, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, he calls them the light of the world. And so when we let our, shine, our light shine, God is glorified. Um, and this actually ties into the lesson that we were going to have this morning from Colossians chapter 3, but we'll do that next week, and this will all kind of tie in as we continue on this topic next week as well in 1 John. So what I want to do tonight is I want to share some thoughts on light and share some thoughts on darkness. Um, first, we'll go with uh, we'll go with the easy, seemingly easy one: light. Right? Um, light needs no witness. What I mean by that is, light bears its own witness to its presence. It doesn't need anyone to say, "Oh, look, a light turned on." You know when a light turns on, right? If you don't believe me, go into a very very dark room. Stay in the dark room for a couple of minutes and then turn the light on. You know when the light comes on. Those who are not blind can see when the light is shining. In the book of Romans, Paul spoke of the Gentiles from the past who refused the light. And he says that they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. That's Romans chapter 1 verse 21. That same darkness will come upon people today if they refuse the light of the gospel. Because the Gentiles ended up rejecting God to the point that He gave them up. Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 32 talks about that. And He gave them up because they were spiritually blind and they could no longer see the light. When Jesus came, God's light shined more brightly than ever. And sadly, many of the Jewish religious leaders of the day either would not or could not see the light that Jesus revealed to them. They were more focused on me, 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 me. What's in it for me? And we saw that problem within the apostles as well. But of course, the Jewish leaders' problem ultimately led to them killing the Messiah. Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 13, verse 13, about their inability to see the light When you read the Bible, can you see the light? Can you see the light of Jesus? Can you see the light of God? You can if you have eyes to see. However, if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 14. So there's no doubt that light needs no witness. Others can see our light, and when they do, they will glorify the God of heaven. When we talk about walking in the light and being the light of the world, the word being, be the light of the world, it's a command to do something. It's an active thing that should be going on in our life. Another aspect of light is that it guides. The Antichrists, or the Gnostics of John's day, thought that they were the guides who were to lead others into the spiritual light of God. They, of course, were not. 
the proper people to do this. But it lends something to the thought that there are those who can be lights, but they are not the source of light. People can be well-intentioned, but they cannot ultimately be the source of light. That distinction belongs ultimately to Jesus. And His children, His followers, Jesus' followers, God's children, are to reflect that light. We're like mirrors, basically. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul talks about the Christian responsibility to provide an example to other, uh, to, for others to follow, where he says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul is saying, I am an imitator of Christ, so therefore imitate me. And by doing so, you are imitating Christ. That's our job. If the people who know you were to walk just like you walk, where would they spend eternity? If you follow Jesus, then you should become a guide to others. They will see your light, and many will become lights themselves. In this way, God is glorified. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, that our path towards heaven is narrow, and it's difficult. And if you've ever walked on a narrow, rocky, bumpy path in the middle of the night without a light, it's easy to fall, isn't it? And so we need a light. We need a guide on that path. And that's God's light. And that light has been provided in order to guide us along that narrow pathway. Of course, Jesus being that light, the Word of God, the Bible, is a light that guides us on our way. And that leads me um, to my third thought on light, and that it reveals holy living. God's light is an impeccable example of holiness. Jesus once quizzed his, uh, his opponents with the question, Which one of you convicts me of sin? John chapter 8, verse 46. Is there anyone here tonight that would dare to make such a challenge while standing in the midst of our enemies? If we did so, our opponents would probably dig up some evidence of our past failings and point out our shortcomings for everyone to see. That's politics, right? That's politics 101 when it comes to becoming, uh, becoming elected. I'm a good person for you to elect. And then their opponents start digging and try to find anything they can to say, mm, no, you're not. The same can be said for Christians as well. Now Jesus, he didn't have any of those weaknesses. He didn't even he didn't have any of those dark secrets or uh, you know bad past for someone to dig up. Hebrews chapter four verse fifteen says that he was tempted like the rest of us, but he never sinned. God commands us to be holy, for I am holy. In First Peter chapter one verse sixteen, Peter wrote about the power of Christian living uh, in chapter 4 of 1 Peter, verses 1 through 6. First, he talks about the ungodly lifestyle of the Gentiles, and then he contrasted that to the lifestyle of believers. And then Peter sums it all up in verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 4 by saying, With respect to this, 
They are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. Isn't it sad that so many people not only hate the light, but they also love to criticize those who walk in it? The light will reveal holy living to all who have eyes to see. And for those who have eyes to see and choose to see that you may be walking in light, that may be something for them to try and dig something up on you for. But if you're living a holy life, they may find something from your past before Christ. But thankfully, Christ has washed those things away. Another thought on light. God and Jesus are light. And so are we. At least that's what we're supposed to be. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8, verse 12. The light of life refers to the lifestyle of a child of God that leads him to eternal life. We should be always thankful to God for the light that he's given. Remember, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. 1 John 1, 5. It is important to know that we are called to be lights in a dark and sinful world. And if you look around at all, anywhere, whether it's the news, Facebook, or just in daily life, it's not hard to see the darkness that exists in this world. Being the light is godlike. There's a song, Shine Christian Shine, or Shine Jesus Shine. But it sh- we should also... Say, shine, Christian, shine. Because that's what we're supposed to do. Because when we do, as I've said already, it is God who gets the glory. We don't do these things. We don't walk in the light as Jesus is in the light because we want some kind of benefit out of it. We've already received the benefit. Our benefit is eternal life. We do it because of that gift that we have. We do it because, A, we're told to do it, and B, we should desire to do it. And finally, light overcomes darkness. John chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, John says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is both the light and the life. When we walk in his light, we also become a light to others. And when it comes to being victorious, light always wins. Again, go back to that picture of a dark room. Darkness cannot overcome light. The light always wins. When you turn that light on in that dark room, that darkness is gone immediately. And guess what? What happens when you turn the light back off? You still see the light in your eyes until it fades away. Now some thoughts on darkness. Cue the crying baby. Darkness represents evil. Um, You know, when we're talking about this comparison of light and darkness, obviously if God is light, in him there is no darkness, then darkness is quite the opposite of that. It is evil. Um, Bright lights chase the darkness out of a room, but when the light goes out, and that light in your eyes starts to fade, what prevails again? Darkness. Um, 
So while it's possible for light to overcome darkness, and darkness can never physically overcome light, that doesn't mean someone or something or yourself can't turn the light off. We live in a world that is living in spiritual darkness. More and more people do not have the light of God's Word. And I think that Scripture makes it pretty clear that it's our responsibility to live in such a way that we can help others see the light. Darkness also represents a separation from God. Jesus called hell a place of outer darkness, a place where there will be weeping and a gnashing of teeth, Matthew chapter 25, verse 30. And the religious leaders who are spiritually blind can only lead the souls of men in the darkness of their own eyes, right? Into disaster. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. It's not a pit of light. It's a dark pit. They fall into the pit because they can't see where they're going. Walking in the dark is a sure way to become separated from God. The beauty of God is that He is light and in Him is no darkness at all. No individual compelled uh, or is compelled to remain separated from God. There is nothing in the Bible that encourages that. It's quite the opposite. In 2 Peter verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 9, Peter tells us that God does not wish that any should perish, but that, should, that all should reach repentance. God's desire is for all to come into the light and for no one to be in the darkness. All who seek Him can find the light and walk in it. So let's not let darkness separate us from God. Darkness hides the truth. Light, if you're in a dark room, and say you are ushered into a dark room, you're blindfolded, blindfold's taken off, you have no idea where you are, and on comes a light. You see now everything that is in the room because the light reveals the truth that darkness hides. Those in darkness are either ignorant of God's word or they've been deceived. Some teach error as a means of earthly gain. Others teach it in order to draw away disciples after themselves. When error is taught and people believe um, false teachings, they are plunged into darkness. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice truth. Sorry, that's verse 6, not 5. Self-deception, which is what John's talking about there, is far too common among religious people. We do not have the freedom to serve God in any way that we please. Ours is not the pursuit of personal happiness or monetary gain, but our pursuit is of God's truth and the salvation of our souls and the souls of others. Darkness hides the truth of God's word. Speaking of fellowship, as John says there in verse 6, darkness severs fellowship. It cuts it off. It's impossible to have fellowship with God while we are walking in darkness, when we are walking in sin. Again, verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie 
and do not practice the truth. According to John, walking in darkness demonstrates that we are not practicing the truth, and the truth is the light. And so, study God's Word regularly, and you will find the light, you'll see it, and hopefully you'll find things in it to apply to your life to help you along your own walk. By prayerful Bible study, as John says, and as Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 32, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, I mentioned fellowship, um, and that's going to be the topic that we're going to look at next time. Uh, we're going to take a closer look at this concept of experiencing fellowship and how it ties in there to verse 6. Um, but to encourage those who are here tonight that may need to respond to the Lord's invitation, if you are walking in darkness, if you are walking in sin and living in sin, um, maybe we can assist you. Uh, of course, we won't know if you need help unless you make that request known, unless you make it known to someone. And I encourage you, if you are walking in darkness, to seek out the light. Seek out the light of God's Word. Seek out the light of the counsel of, of a Christian brother or sister. And hopefully the encouragement will lead you back into the light. But if we can assist you tonight anyway, be it through prayer or study, won't you come forward now while we stand and sing.